You want me to read what? Are you serious? Okay. The following show features an asshole talking about things with reckless disregard for what the viewer and or listener may or may not think. Accordingly, the producers of this show would like to insist that if any of the subject matter offends you, that you kindly fuck off and or run naked backwards through a field of dicks. Thank you and enjoy the show. So I got a chance to talk with Corinna Coffin about how she got into Spartan Race and OCR to begin with and like her long athletic career, along with getting caught up on what's going on with DecaFit and just also some sound nutritional advice. And it's a, it's a long interview, lots of good information. I'm not going to like drag this out. So let's get right into it. I'm here with Corinna Coffin, the queen of DecaFit, the queen of nutrition on Yancey Camp. Also, a good friend of mine, Corinna, it's so great to catch up. We got a little bit long in the catching up before we started recording, so here we are. Um, I don't think that there's lots of people who don't know who you are, but for those people who don't, Corinna, go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone. Oh, thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me, and hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. As um, Bill so kindly put it, I am an I'm one of the athletes for DecaFit, which is Spartan's um, newest we'll talk about it a lot on this podcast for those of you don't know but it's basically spartan's latest um race series edition so i feel fortunate to to be on kind of the leading cusp of that with the team and i'm on the spartan protein for uh, my the short course stadium series that's kind of my my uh area of racing right now and as Bill also said, I am a registered dietitian, and so I spearhead the Yancey Camp Nutrition uh, Program, which is essentially one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching with me, uh, but catered to more towards the athletic population and, you know, specifically for obstacle course racing and performance improvements. So, um, I don't know if that's what you meant, Bill, with like, that's it not obviously, is. that doesn't define me, but, you know, that is that is OCR related for our listeners Absolutely. who are curious. And you touched on so much that we're going to like just completely uh, talk about and touch on like during this like podcast. And one of the things that I don't even know where to start right now, because there's so much that I want to get into, <laughs> but like, I do want to get into your background because like people may or may not know you because you took like a little bit of time off from like Spartan race and you chase like tough mutter TMX but like you've been around for like a while. I remember you like you jumped on the scene in 2014 and you were tackling every distance uh, like in the yeah. Virginia area. Uh, notoriously, I believe that your real coming out party might have been the Wintergreen Super. Like that the was. decimator of people's dreams and hopes and souls. Oh. And, uh, and you had a really phenomenal 2014, even getting on the podium at the World Championship the last year that it was in Vermont. Yeah. Oh, that was such a great year. Just thinking back to it. It was, it was such a great year to be in the sport of obstacle course racing. Of course I was totally new to it, but I mean, thinking back to Wintergreen and Killington world champ, the 2014 world championship like that, those were some epic courses. And I just think, I mean, that, of course I love Spartan race as it is now, but like thinking back to that year, it was like, lots of obstacles, lots of upper body, lots of, you know, obviously just really tough terrain, but really exciting. And I feel like, you know, perhaps maybe it's shifted a little bit more away from that, um, mm -hmm. more on like well-groomed mountains and, you know, obviously like for Tahoe, the world championship, it's, you know, it's a lot of running and not necessarily as much obstacle heavy in my opinion at least when I compare it to Killington that year so um gosh I just I just have so many great I have so many great memories from 2014 and it's been fun to relive those um 
like races from the past a little bit with Spartan doing the um, kind of the rewind series one, yeah. on, on Facebook and Instagram these days. So it's fun to go back and like, gosh, that was such a cool race or, you know, what a cool series or, you know, what venue. So yeah, it's been fun to relive that a little bit. I got to watch the world championship again. And I was like, Oh shit. I made my spear throw. Like I was watching. I was like, I, I told my boyfriend, I was like, yeah, I didn't make the spear throw. And then I'm like, and then I'm setting up for it. And I was like, Oh shit, maybe I did make it. And then I nailed it. I was like, Oh shit. I nailed my spear throw. Like I had no, I, I had totally forgotten the race. So anyway. well, that might've been one of the years, like if 2014, <laughs> I believe they had two, um yeah one. you're right was, yeah so there's one on they top had of the two one at the top I so you always forget the one that you miss. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, you always forget the one that you make you always remember the one that you miss i think i missed the one at the top because it was super windy but yeah, it was honestly, like almost impossible it was just like just yeah. like like cover your eyes and throw and you have just as good of a chance of hitting the target and it's staying oh, yeah. as like you did like down uh, near the rope climb. It was like when you're mm -hmm. kind of like entering the, the end sequence of the race and yes. it either energized you or it just morally defeated you. It was such an epic finish, like with the Tyrolean mm -hmm. traverse, which I don't even know if like it, that was the only time I feel like we had that over water. The lake, yeah, they had it over the lake or one of the over ponds the there in Vermont. And I was just like, and yeah. you had to like drop into it. And I believe they told you to, but I think Hobie Call just went all the way across. Because that's just what Hobie can do. That wouldn't surprise me. Exactly. But yeah, they had that like right into the rope climb. I just remember being so exhausted. And I am so embarrassed to have failed a rope climb, especially with how, how much CrossFit I've been doing between now and then. But like I, I failed my rope climb, which ultimately, I mean, Claude really beat me by two minutes or so, which was, you know, let's think about that as like one set of burpees. One it could have been a total right. game changer. So um, yeah, that was, that was, it was that. And the rope climb, spear throw, monkey bars, barbed wire. Like, it was just back Norm to back Cole. to back. Norm Cole, after, like, your grip has absolutely been, like, and no one even knows who Norm is anymore. Yeah, I know. Like two poles on, like, chains that you had to traverse. Mm -hmm. And after your grip strength is just absolutely shot. And, like, the, the footage, let's go back to the rope climb. So, yes, you were crossfitting, but, like, you were right there, like, circling. <laughs> I remember seeing you. Like, I, I think I was right there, like, just wearing at myself and uh you were right there at the top and you were so close to it but you just was, gave it everything that you had and it was just total exhaustion yeah total and like i mean at that point i don't think i had the best footlock um technique on the rope so the thought of like just holding my entire body weight up just with my arms to reach up for the bell so i guess in just one hand like that just i mean that just wasn't gonna happen so yeah i guess go think back I think back and I'm sure we'll talk about nutrition too at some point, but like thinking back, obviously I was in school, I was in my undergrad mm -hmm. um, and I studied nutrition, food and exercise, but it was still like applying those concepts was still, especially for like during in racing nutrition. Like, I mean, I just think back to my race and I probably had one goo and maybe two sh blocks, like two shot blocks the entire time. It was a four hour and 20 yeah two minute race. And I ate, I pro maybe had 60 grams of carbs total. Like it just blows my mind what I did or what I didn't do. And I just like watching the rewind a couple weeks ago, I was like, God, I could like, I just think back to what things I could have tweaked, like nutritionally, even though I will say like, I'm really impressed that I was able to do so well with lack of nutrition, but to have lost by two minutes and knowing so much that I could have done and it could have improved upon it kind of it was a little bit heart heartbreaking <laughs> but it's always 2020 and uh, I know you touched on a couple of things that I wanted to talk about so and I remember like so when you talking I didn't know that you had that little nutrition during the race I know that Faye Stenning oh, yeah. when I talked with her about that which that's not even on a podcast I was just talking with her she, uh -huh. said that she took like maybe one gel or whatnot because she thought it was like a half marathon she's like oh 13 miles I'll be done with this in like whatever and like 80 minutes which race which that race one that was like one of her first oh. was 2014 in Killington she thought it was going to be an oh. eight minute race she had like one she's probably going to like message me now like no I didn't tell you that like I, I, this is what I'm recalling this from memory and like I, she's like that was off the record <laughs> was off the record and so like she she had this other idea of like what the race was going to be like and then she suffered through it as well she still came in like top 15 and I'm, I'm recalling all this from memory Faye if you're listening to this which you probably aren't please don't like crucify me for getting any of this like <laughs> inaccurate. But um, 
one of the things I did want to touch on, and you said this, and I, I, this, is, this sticks with me too, that like anytime I'm doing something now in Spartan Race, like if it's like a bucket carry or if it's like a sandbag carry that's like kind of difficult, I always kind of go back like, oh, well, it's not the bucket carry in like Wintergreen or it's not the double sandbag carry in Vermont. Like this is cake compared to that. And just having that type of like frame of like reference like kind of helps you going forward. And unfortunately, oh, totally. a lot of these young pups who are coming into Spartan Race like now or in the past few years, they don't know what it was like back when the logs were as big as you were and like, mm -hmm. well, we still had logs and like the buckets were a legitimate like 80 to 90 pounds and you were going up completely ungroomed double black diamonds or just like impossible like sandbag carries to do. So like, yeah. it's like, and you, you said that you did that. Like that's, that's what us OGs kind of have the luxury right? of having in our back pocket. Yeah. And for honestly, Spart so Spartan race, the Spartan wintergreen race was my very first. So 2013, a, a year before I really came on the scene, I did my first Spartan race with mm -hmm. friends, but then I was like, Oh, they're going too slow. Like they want to walk all these hills in wintergreen. I was feeling good. So I ran it. Yeah. And then it, that's what, like, I did the open category. And I just remember plugging in my bib number at the end. And it was like, you came in first out of like all these thousands of people. Like, and I was like, Oh shit. Like I did really well. <laughs> people, someone beside me was like, you know, they, you can like run competitively in these things. I was like, you can. And so then I was like, Oh, next summer when this come, race comes back to wintergreen, I'm going to do it again. And so next summer I did that. And so it was kind of cool. Just like you said, it was to have that be your first race and then it, your first and second race, mm -hmm. everything else seemed so much easier. Like, you know, then I went to the DC sprint and I was like, Oh, well that's so much easier than <laughs> like this Spartan wintergreen, um, you know, in its own rights, it's still challenging, but you know, it was just cool to have those be my first couple experiences in the sport, as opposed to, you know, starting out on, um, you know, a more, <laughs> a more sane course or something, something that's a little bit less intense. Let's so, yeah. talk about your athletic career. Like you have a very long athletic career so far. <laughs> and it, doesn't, it doesn't even just span like, uh, like OCR. So let's, let's get into your genetics a little bit. Like, you know, you didn't just like show up to Wintergreen, run the open category and win it because you're just like a genetic freak overall. But like you come <laughs> from like a very good pedigree of like Olympians and you have a very athletic twin brother. Mm -hmm. And so like you were clearly like, you know, benefiting from some like genetic predisposition to be naturally fit, but you're also training. So why don't you talk about like what your training was like before you even got into racing and then started crushing it and then how you've like kind of adapted over the years? Yeah, no, it's definitely, I definitely give a lot of credit to my family. And um, as you said, my dad is, it's funny because I always think about I used to see like no similarities here, but with my dad, he's, um, he's in a, he was in equestrian three day eventing. So dressage, jumping and cross country. And so it's three different days, three different events in the Olympics that gets, you know, scored all together and going back, especially once I started obstacle course racing, like seeing a lot of photos of my dad during the cross country event. I mean, you are out in the woods with your horse, doing these insane, like now, again, more groomed now, but looking back then, like you're jumping crazy logs and water jumps. And you're like this one jump, one picture of my dad has him like, he's taking the horse through this shed and jumping out the window down onto a really steep hill. And like, so these horses and their riders are doing crazy obstacles all throughout the woods, all different types of terrain. And it wasn't until like I'd been doing obstacle course racing for a while and I was looking at pictures of my dad and I was like, holy crap, this is like the same, you know, we're doing very similar things. Of course, I'm not riding an animal, which would yeah. be frightening in my, <laughs> in my mind. But um, yeah, so it's, it was fun to start to see those similarities there. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm the youngest of three brothers. And so, and we're all super close. So um, my twin brother and I were just born and then I had a one-year-old brother and a three-year-old brother. So we're all like all within three years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was just me trying to keep up with the boys my whole childhood and, and they were very athletic. And so that was just like, all right, if I want to be included, it's, you know, I'm going to just have to be tough and I'm going to have to, uh, you know, dig a little deeper than, than, uh, maybe some others in order to, to hang with them. So I felt like that was, um, that's been a huge part of me just being gritty and tenacious to try to uh, 
you know, work my way up to the top. And, and then of course, you know, got into all these different sports growing up and my mom, she didn't want to run, she didn't want to drive around to four different soccer practices. So she ended up putting me, signing me up for the boys teams and they were, I'd show up to practice and I'd be like, Oh, I'm the only girl here. But like, it wasn't, didn't really phase me because I grew up in just such a boy household. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, oh, okay. And my mom would be like, be aggressive, Corinna. Like, it was so funny. She was just all about like being aggressive, playing with the boys. Like I did all the tryouts, like for the challenge leagues with the boys. And so, um, yeah, that was a huge, I mean, just looking back, that was just a huge piece of what has led me to kind of be the type of athlete I feel like I am. And, um, got into cross country and lacrosse in high school and played club lacrosse at, in college and then got into triathlon and for my last two years of undergrad. And that's when I really kind of stumbled upon um, obstacle course racing. So it was kind of a cool, fun background. It wasn't, I was never a stud in any one team. I was like pretty, I was like with the workhorse on every team I was on. And I, 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 I had a great work ethic and but I wasn't the star player on anything. And so I felt like, um, all those things kind of gave me a good, um, background, a good leg up in the sport of obstacle course racing and CrossFit where, you know, it's like, yeah, you'd be a good runner, but you also have to be good at carrying heavy weight. And you also be, have to be good at technical stuff and grip strength and upper body. So it's kind of a hodgepodge of everything. And I, and I feel like it's, those are kind of the fun aspects of, um, a sport like obstacle course racing where you really have to pull from so many different areas and you continue to do that like so like (laughs) like you you obviously very diverse before you even hit your first spartan race and then after Mm -hmm. after that first season after 2014 you started to continue to be a diverse athlete and i think that's what Mm -hmm. spartan race is looking for is looking for like diverse athletes but you're you're tackling the longer races because obviously wintergreen is like nine miles of punishment. Um, the yeah. World Championship, 17 like unending miles of just like, fuck you. And so then you mm-hmm. like go to like CrossFit, like I, now like correct me on the timeline that you ended up going to CrossFit regional games with your team. Mm-hmm. And then you like kind of chased Battlefrog as well. Battlefrog had, mm-hmm. was notorious for like very grip intense obstacles, like very gritty, like heavy carries, stuff like that. Uh, it was a, a main competitor for Spartan Race back in the day. Then you go to uh, TMX and Tough Mudder, and then mm-hmm. uh, Spartan lures you back with a pro team contract for the stadium races. So you, you've chased like all different kinds of distances. Like what, what was going through your mind that you wanted to go from like being like so proficient in like the longer Spartan races and like then you started transition more into like the short course like the mm-hmm. races and like DecaFit and high rocks like what, what how mm-hmm. did like what was that like in your mind yeah no I I think at the at the foundation of it all it's it's just what's fun for me what 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 brings me like enjoyment and I've always well aside from the first two years of racing like I've always been chasing that like it, that's always been at the foundation of everything because if I'm not having fun you know, this, the training obviously takes up a good chunk of your day, a good chunk of your, you know, week. And so if that's not fun for me, if I'm not looking forward to that, that's, that's going to lead to burnout. And I think that, um, so to, with the timeline to 2014, now it was a big year. Spartan offered me a contract. Battle Frog was just up and coming and offered me a contract as well. So I took the Battle Frog one and raced with them for 2015, 2016. And then I think it was the fall of 2016 where they went under. And at that time I had done, I was, it was the Breckenridge, Breckenridge Spartan race that I busted my knee oh, yes. like the last two miles before the finish line at that nasty Breckenridge race. And, and, uh, and that's where Orla came to my rescue, patched me all up, but um, I had to get stitches and I, you know, your knees out of commission and it's a month before world championships. So I was like, you know what, this whole season's blown. And I had just moved to Colorado and had joined a really awesome CrossFit gym there, CrossFit Sanitas. And I was like, you know what? Like, you know, the, se- the season's over, world championships, you know, it's going to happen in a couple of weeks and I'm not going to be able to do it. Then you have a, a little winter section where it's an off season anyway. I've been really enjoying all this CrossFit stuff, but I've never had the chance to really work on the strength component because all the mileage that you have to really do for obstacle course racing for the, like you said, the distances I was training for, there's no, you know, you're countering 
all of your strength or a lot of your weightlifting strength gains in CrossFit, you're just losing that at the moment. You know, you, you do high mileage every week. So I took that time to, it's coming to be winter anyway. So I was like, you know, what? reduce the running, increase the strength training. And it came so quickly, like all the skills I had been taking me a while to finesse in CrossFit, like once I was able to just apply it, just train CrossFit, like it all came so quickly. And I was like, wow, like I'm getting pretty good. And then we had a great group of individuals at, at CrossFit Sanitas and we were able to qualify, like you said, for the regionals that May. And then, so that was, that was spring of 2017. That was when TMX was coming around. I was like, wow, this couldn't have been better timing. Mm -hmm. Now there's something that, that fits this kind of hybrid area that I'm in between like obstacle course racing, but CrossFit. And so that's when I had a, the success at the 2017 TMX. Mm -hmm. And so with regionals and TMX and broken school that year, that's all I did. Like I didn't do any other, I, I stopped any like mainstream Spartan or OCR races continued with the cross it moved to um utah for grad school to pursue mm -hmm. nutrition and dietetics so that was still summer 2017 joined a really awesome gym here in utah salt lake city crossfit we sent three teams to regionals that neck that spring of 2018 and then my team qualified for the crossfit games that summer and so and then we had tmx of course and i did well but not as well as the year before for tmx so that was like that was all 2017, 2018 was like no Spartan races, no long distance, just mm -hmm. short course. And I was felt super fortunate that, that I had like that, that these races were developing that were starting to gear more towards this hybrid athlete between obstacle course racing, CrossFit kind of gym, like hit training stuff. Yeah. And so I just kind of kept rolling with the punches like, Oh, cool. Like this isn't my main focus. I wasn't trying to make all my money from, you know, from, I was pursuing a degree in nutrition. I wanted to be a dietitian. That was my number one goal. And then, you know, Oh, if I can do this racing and I can win some money, cool. And, um, you know, I did that a little bit, especially in 2017 and then, um, 2019 came around and I was like, gosh, I haven't done any of these Spartan stadium races. They look really cool. Mm -hmm. They seem more up my alley, especially not having not running that much. And so they offered me a spot on their pro team last year. And I had a great season with um, the stadium races. I, and, and now it's 2020. So, I mean, it's been kind of fun, but I've, I've had so much fun during all of it. And the moment I'm like, nah, I'm kind of done with this longer core stuff, or eh, I'm kind of done with the CrossFit or, you know, you just kind of go through phases and you, mm -hmm. I like to listen to that. And I, I'm like, I've said, there's like this world of, fitness has just evolved and keeps evolving. I feel like there's something out there for everyone, regardless of, you know, what it is you're interested in, whether it's short course, long course, CrossFit, like ultra running, like there's just so many options. And so I've just been following what sounds good, what, what seems fun, what I feel like doing. And that's really never directed me in a way that I don't enjoy. So I'm, I mean, I know that <laughs> eventually it might not all pan out to be like this perfect, um, you know, everything all in, it lines up the way I could never have imagined it, but enjoy, um, you know, there might come a time where I'm like in a little bit of a pickle there, but at the same time, it's just, it's kind of just fun to, to roll with the punches and to train and enjoy what I'm doing. It sounds so. like you're following your heart and that's the most yeah. important thing because if your heart's not in it, then you're just not having any fun. And it does sound like you're just, you're just going like, and it's, you're very um, adaptable. And as you mm -hmm. demonstrated with just like the plethora of like different sporting events and like that you've done uh, throughout your life. So you, you just go. And that's, that's a very like awesome thing that you have the ability to do, especially as you're like, you know, chasing your graduate degree and mm -hmm. is it dietetics or nutrition? It's so it's sports nutrition and dietetics, but it's, it's the dietetics aspect is, because is is the schooling that leads to me being a dietitian. So I've, I've completed that. That was le I was a two year program. I finished that last spring, and so you know, and being in the health and wellness sphere, you know, that's I think longevity of health and wellness is definitely at the forefront of my mind. Like it's great to 
to be in the here and now and focus on, you know, what my strengths are at this point in time. But to what you said of like following my heart, as cheesy as it sounds, it's like, I, I really believe that if you're enjoying, you know, what you're doing, obviously from a work standpoint, but then also from a, an athletic standpoint, that's just that much longer you're going to be in the game for because you're doing it truly out of a place of joy um, and love as opposed to, Oh God, I gotta go run today. Cause that's what my programming has on it. And like, I don't really want to, and, you know, like there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes it's good to just push through mm-hmm. some things that you don't want to do and just embrace the discomfort. But at this, at the same time, I think there's a, there's a way to do it where it's just, you're totally enjoying it. And that's, mm-hmm. and even though COVID is hap- you know, we're, we're kind of in this weird, weird situation right now in 2020 with this COVID stuff it's again, for me, it's an opportunity to delve into areas that, especially being in Utah. And I realize that I'm in a very fortunate situation and, and really great place geographically to enjoy so much of the outdoors, but kind of gave me a little wake up call. Like, okay, you don't need like, okay, no gym. That's, that's okay. Like I've just start getting back into running and, you know, I fall in love with that all over again. And it had been a little while since I'd done some true distance and then on days where my legs are just like yeah we can't run anymore then I'm like oh I'm gonna bike and then pools have finally started opening the last two weeks so like we've just been swimming a lot and so it's it's been fun to just embrace like go with the flow and and kind of use the resources that I have available to me at this point in time and kind of take the focus away from the gym and get back into longer distance stuff so it's just kind of fun to just go with it and not put so much like stress on yourself to like do something in a certain way, just because like you think that that's the only, it's the only way to go, or that's the only thing that you're going to be the best in. And so you have to pursue that. Yes. And, and uh, you touched on something that I want to like talk about as well. Like there's some, there's going to be some periods of time whenever you are like going through a regimen or a training regimen that you're going to have like, with Ian. Ian does amazing programming for me and I love working with Ian. Sometimes there's just a workout where I'm just like, fuck, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I know it's going to make me better, but like whenever you are starting to like experience that feeling like day in, day out, you're you're either training too hard or Mm -hmm. um, you're just not enjoying it. So it's just probably best to like, you know, kind of get a mental reset and figure out, hey, is this something that I want to do long term? And it sounds like, you know, as you're going through like COVID-19, because we've all had to go through COVID-19, and I swear to God, I never want to run pavement ever again. Um, You get a chance because you do live in like lovely Utah, lovely state. Yes. um, That you you, like kind of explore all these different modalities. Like you've got great mountain biking. You've got great like trails to go run. By the way, thank you for showing me those trails back in um, September when I was there. Um, Yes. Glorious trails. (laughs) Still think back to that. So I'm going to have to, we're going to have to hit those trails again whenever I come back to Utah. Yes. Um, but you get to like kind of experiment with your fitness and like fitness isn't like, it's not in a box. It's not something where mm-hmm. it's like, this is all, this is all you can do. And you mm-hmm. know, I'm sorry, that was a really bad CrossFit pun, but it, it's, you can think outside the box. You can't. No, and I, yeah, you're, you're totally right. And I think that was, it was a blessing that CrossFit changed. So obviously 2018 was a great year. And I still wanted to pursue CrossFit like after the games, but then they changed the rules and made, made it so that it was, you have to come in first place at one of these sanctional events as a team or an individual to make it to the games. And like, I just knew with how many different awesome teams there's going to be that are traveling all over for all these sanctionals that just wasn't going to happen. And at first I was really salty about it. And I was like, you know what, this like, this sucks. This is like, why would they make these changes? But then it was like, it was such a blessing looking back. Cause I'm like, it just, it gave me a wake up call. Like, Hey, you've spent the past two years, like primarily in a CrossFit gym. I've lived in Colorado. Now I'm lived in Utah and I really haven't been able to explore in the capacity that I should have like this, these areas and outside of the box outside of the actual gym and so it was really cool to use 20, 2019 like i said to get back into training for these obstacle course races mm-hmm. use more time to find my fitness outside of yeah. 
all my training. And I was like, oh, wow. Like the reason we do all this stuff is because, you know, I think what people started off doing CrossFit was that, hey, doing this method of training really allows me to do so many, like I could jump on a mountain bike and hang with pretty decent mountain bikers or get in a pool and do this or, you know, hike some mountains. And my fitness is just overall in a really good place. And so then you get so stuck in the sport of fitness itself, like whether it's also cross racing or, or um, CrossFit, sometimes you, you just see so zoomed in and you forget to like notice how it applies to other things. And at least that was the case for me with CrossFit. And so I really, I'm just glad that, you know, that was a chapter and I wouldn't have changed it for the world. And I like really loved doing through that experience, going through that experience with my CrossFit teammates. But now I'm, I've been getting so much more enjoyment out of being outside and yes. taking advantage of the location. I'm in. And you know, if I move to Kansas, maybe I'll start going back to like, <laughs> you know, a CrossFit gym because uh, it's Kansas, but you know, right now it's Utah. And so I, I've just been really enjoying exploring yeah. and trying everything. If you move to Kansas, I just, can foresee professional <laughs> shucking in your future. <laughs> you know, Kansas City was actually pretty cool when I drove through it. That oh, was... that's professional barbecuing. Um, <laughs> so, and it's you're just and you're also like so. It was a blessing that the CrossFit Games did change their qualification rules. And you're just too nice of a person, honestly, to talk like the amount of shit that you'd have to do, like Hunter McIntyre did, to get a wildcard spot. So. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's my that is my leg up on it. Like, yeah, Hunter actually qualified for it, but that's cool, you know, because obviously, I mean, props to anyone competing individually at the games because that is a whole other animal. But at the same time, it was it was a ride to get there as a team as well. And and I, I much prefer doing it with people that I love and enjoy being with. So that was a really, really cool experience. But. Absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, check the box. Check the box. And so let's t- let's talk about like the new offering from Spartan that was just yes. bottled up. It just got swept up in the COVID-19. I, so I was excited about Decafit. I was ready to go. I was ready to mm-hmm. see what it was all about, even though I was mm-hmm. still nursing a bum hamstring. But I had the shoes. Mm-hmm. I bought the shoes mm-hmm. to go compete. Because <laughs> I heard like- after- The turf shoes? <laughs> I, I got the shoes because we're both ultra red team athletes. And mm-hmm. uh, after like seeing like all the posts from- I'm not sure if it was High Rocks, um, New York, or High Rocks, Miami. How Miami. I didn't have the right well, shoes for me. Sled push. Like I, not just you. Everybody was mm-hmm. like, I didn't have the right shoes. Like I tried it barefoot, couldn't do it. It was just impossible. And then just like almost, almost like serendipitous, um, Ultra releases the. Um, oh, I got to think of it now. I just, I literally just lost it. I Is lost it the, the spike one? The like there's XT, the Solstice XT, which is meant yes, for yes, running up to like five miles and mm-hmm. also doing your like you know your CrossFit style work and whatnot. So it's got good traction on the back on on the on the bottom, and I was like, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready to try these. And then mm-hmm. like everything, everything like 2020 was just canceled at that point. So like, and you and I were talking about this before we started recording, like, so like, what's, what's kind of possibly maybe not going on with DecaFit? Right <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it was super unfortunate. We were talking about this, yeah, before, before we actually recorded, but for those who don't know, the first DecaFit race is going to be March 21st. Mm-hmm. And it was like a week to 10 days before that, where like, just shit hit the fan in terms of like everyone's like travels like I don't know if travel was like banned but people were like yeah oh it was crazy like I remember like being being two weeks out and being like oh no like this is still very much happening and then that 10 day out or seven days out it was like oh like I don't think this is a good idea and like I think it I think the Sunday before because it was going to be the Sunday before the race which was going to be on a, a Saturday, I think. But yeah. that was when they finally, like I heard that they were going to cancel. And I think they made the announcement. But I was like, I mean, it was just the very, it was just the, the wrong time. Like just by like a little bit, by like a week or so, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah it was really, it was, you know, it was a big bummer because I know that like Yancey and Jared Cogswell, who um, 
like they really spearheaded this whole DecaFit movement and, you know, are still spearheading it, but they put in like so much work to really mm -hmm. to hype it up in Denver and to get people to know about it because it's brand new race. And, um, you know, they did an awesome job. It was going to be a great, a terrific event and then, you know, had to be canceled. So I'm not a lot like, specific date wise I can't say anything because I, I and I actually don't know if that's still on the brink or on the horizon but I know that there is a date an upcoming date um like in two months or so so like sometime in July I think is is tentatively what I think they were thinking for um for planning the the first having the first deck of fit and again I think it's just that's speculation at this point because we know that mm -hmm. the first race is going to be in Jacksonville in June and for Spartan and who knows, you know, what the outcome of that's going to be. Are people mm -hmm. feeling comfortable to go to these things? Um, it's a, it's clearly a state by state basis. So, you know, it's depends on what the, what the governor of the state is really allowing mm -hmm. um, from an event standpoint. So it's hard to know. And honestly, I'm just taking, like, I'm not trying to get so caught up in all this. When's the race racing going to happen? Like I know I'm doing my thing from a training standpoint because I'm enjoying it. And I yep. know that like I'm maintaining or upkeeping my fitness and I want to be ready for, you know, whenever something comes it's like, Oh yeah, I'll do it. Like I, I don't feel like I've just been sitting on my ass for the past couple months. Um, but I'm not, I'm not getting my hopes up that this is going to be, we're going to have a, a second half to the year um, from an event standpoint. Cause I think that's just, there's just no word, no sense in worrying about it or overthinking about it. Cause it's just, you know, there's so much up in the air. Yeah. I mean, 2020 has been canceled. Yeah. <laughs> we got to start looking, looking for 2021. If and that even happens, who knows? But uh, I know the, the, the takeaway for everyone who's listening is like DecaFit is still, it's still around. That's still going to be happening. They're going to be doing like the Deca Mile. Is that correct? In Jacksonville in like two weeks. So the Deca Mile. Yes, that that is the that is happening in Jacksonville as part of, I think, like the venue area that's going to be like a venue event. Um, I think it's more so just to give people a taste of what the real deal is going to look like eventually when it happens. Because instead of so it's 10. Um, 10 fitness stations preceded by five, a 500 meter run. And um, that's for the real race and hand sanitizer. Yes. <laughs> and tissues. Um, but be in the, this venue area, I think it's going to be a 160 yard run before each station. So they're, they're, they're significantly condensing it. Um, but I think they want to give people a, a sense of what the movements are, like how doable it is, every single skill level and that's the key is like i don't i'm sure like you, you touched on high rocks and i did that in miami and that was a freaking killer of a race like it's like the longest crossfit workout like i mean it took me an hour 10 actually it took me longer because of the sled um the sled stuff but like that was a that was a very long race and the intensity is just has to be high for so long that you end up just I mean, you're not going at a full sprint because it's, because it is so long yet the movements require a very high level of, um, of exertion, whether it's like the 100 wall balls or the super heavy sled push or like a 500 meter row or ski, like there's just it's a significant output. So with the deck of fit, I love that it's, it's probably the half the time of that. So I think the, the, the guys and girls are going to be like 30, 40 minutes tops mm -hmm. for these um, for the deck of fit, which then allows you to keep that intensity quite yep. high. Like you can, you can definitely, it's, I mean, it's like a stadium, Spartan stadium race where you were going hard for those 35, 40 minutes and, or 30 to 35 minutes. And that's maintainable. Whereas with high rocks, I, I just, <laughs> like you were just dead crossing the finish line. Um, not, not to, not to, um, bust them or anything like no, i think no. it's a great an event but you no. definitely like you're not going to take your average joe off the street and have a good time convincing them to do high rocks because it's just oh 100 wobbles hell no like i'm not i'm out like people like that's just a little bit a little bit too much to chew uh, for for most people who are just kind of your average gym boutique gym goers you know a couple times yeah. a week. i mean and if they don't put those 100 wall balls at the very last station then you know fuck them 
It's just, I don't want to do that to start off. Like, I'm just like, I, I quit. Yeah. Oh my, those were some terrible wall balls. Oh my God. That was a rough, <laughs> Miami was rough, but like I said, I had, I was actually wearing the solstice prototypes from, um, from ultra for that race. And they, they feel a little bit different than the ones that are now on their website, uh, which I run in all the time mm-hmm. um, now, even for kind of longer mileage, probably shouldn't. But anyway, I love them. But yeah, I was just having having some serious issues with the carpet. But a lot of people were, and I I remember I took off my shoes, I took off my socks, I put my shoes and socks back on. I like, and then I ended up mowing the lawn with this sled. Like I, I wasn't even pushing it on on the metal slabs that you're supposed to. I lifted it up like a wheelbarrow and pushed it on the edge finally. And it took so much out of me. I think I was at the sled for nine minutes and Faye and Imka like had no problem. I, I compared to Imka, she did it. She did the sled push in like, I think it might've been three minutes around through the three minute mark. And it, here I am like a lot bigger than Imka in terms of muscle mass. I'd say like she, you know, she's still a, little thing she runs like like a gazelle but um it was just so humbling for me to just see all these people pass me and this is like supposed to be my jam with the heavier weight I was really looking forward to the sled push because I was like oh this is my this is my time to get ahead from all these little fast runners so um yeah it was it was disheartening I think it was an equipment malfunction to be honest with you if like all these tiny runners are passing you at a sled pull Probably. Oh my gosh. Well, the sled pole was where I think oh, I sure, had the sure, fastest sure, time sure. for the, yeah, the, yeah, the pole was gnarly right. too, though. That's the, but it was, the Spartan in me coming out. I'm like, sled pole. Wait, no. <laughs> no, it was, that was, a, it was a good race. It was, I mean, it was, it, I, I had to, I threw myself a little pity party in the middle of it. And then I was like, get over yourself. Like, so what? You're not going to win. You know, you're not going to podium. Cool. Like, just finish. Like, you're, this is just like any other cross workout. Like, yeah. you know, just, take it as a training training day and move forward walk off and throw a hit <laughs> one girl she just like she was one of the girls from germany she just gave up on the sled push and she told her judge and then she just kept going and then she, it took the longest time for them to t- penalize her like you can't just do that but she was like oh i'll take the time like i'll take the penalty and i'm like girlfriend there ain't no penalty for this sled push like, you have to do yeah. it and like to completion. they had her on the leaderboard above me for like two days i remember and i was like what Lame. the hell is going on but yeah anyway while we're wrapping up so i this is i'm i'm gonna open up a can of worms here and that's fine okay. I kind of oh, okay. so, so <laughs> you are you are the queen of nutrition for for yancey camp and you are training athletes on how to eat to perform Mm-hmm. And that's something I wanted to spend a little bit more time like digging into. So if this runs a little bit long, if this runs over my normal like 45 minutes that I'm shooting, shooting for, that's fine. I do have like a phone call that mm-hmm. I got in like 15 minutes, but I'll just tell, tell my person that he's going to have to hold on. Um, what would you say to people who are listening are like best practices, sound guidelines for eating to perform? And I know that you do a lot of like macronutrient coaching and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that like you probably can't boil this down in like a quick, Cliff's Notes version, but like, what mm-hmm. would you say are like overarching like principles that you would get tell someone who's wanting to like eat to perform? Like, besides obviously like what like what I tell people like don't eat shit, <laughs> like don't mm-hmm. fill your body with like you know junk food because you, you're gonna junk in junk out. So what would what right. would you tell people who are listening? Yeah, I think I think the biggest things I see and the the, the things that I. I see a lot that we end up having to reverse or, um, or yeah, I guess that would be a good way of putting it is, um, first things first, like the people that come in on high fat diets and thinking that they're like, you know, that it doesn't matter or they're just succumbing to all this keto, low carb craziness yet they want to perform. So like, that's the first thing is like, okay, I, like you said, I do focus on the macronutrients at least to some extent, depending on, you know, depending on the person, but I do like to see what their macronutrient breakdown is because in a sport such as ours, where you are performing at, you know, you're running at a high, high intensity for these races, you know, you need to be fueling appropriately for that. And so I think 
with every, like, you know, with just all these fad diets going on. Um, but especially this focus on fat, you see a lot of people like wanting to wondering why, you know, they're not, they're not improving their performance and, or feeling like super low energy levels and, you know, they're eating a very high fat diet. Mm -hmm. So obviously reducing the fat, increasing the carbohydrate is kind of like that first primary step that's really important. Um, and also for athletes too, like we, you know, look at protein as well, because I think a lot of, especially women tend to be consuming very low amounts of protein and, you know, they want to put on muscle. Yeah, I know. I see you pointing yourself and I, I point to myself in this too. And this is something that I can, I constantly work on day in, day out. It has to be a conscious decision for me to get protein at every single meal and, you know, and, and have more than three meals a day so that I can, you know, hit my, my target goals. Yeah. But especially if you are looking to increase lean body mass, um, you know, like someone like you and I, we, we have a good amount of lean body mass. So we might not be like trying to increase all that much for, you know, for our goals. Um, maybe you and I are more in like in a maintenance, like we want to maintain lean body mass, but then you have people who are, you know, maybe a little bit, um, you know, wanting to lean out, wanting to increase lean muscle mass, wanting to increase their performance or improve their important performance and their proteins really low, their carbohydrates low and their fats high. And it's like, Hey, that's all those things we need to change or make adjustments to, because those are all not helping you in this situation. So I think that's like trying to explain the importance of carbohydrates in a society that is very much anti-carb these days is, mm -hmm. is, um, is definitely a challenge. But like you said, carbohydrates is a huge category of foods. We've got, we've got an entire spectrum of like healthy versus like less nutrient dense carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a time and place for carbohydrates all along the spectrum. But at the same time, like, you know, we don't need to be, we don't, all this highly processed, high sugar um, carbohydrate sources don't need to be a, a staple in our diet. And so I, it's hard because people are like, carbs are bad. And it's like, well, some carbs, you know, are not going to be beneficial in, in your, you know, in your situation or just for a healthy diet, but we don't need to generalize all carbohydrates in this category, like as being like, as not serving you. And so trying to do some carbohydrate education is really key. Um, also like with fasting and time restricted feeding and, and like all that stuff, mm -hmm. I think the research is really, um, I think there's a lot of really promising research in those areas and it's very fascinating to read about it, but people have to realize the context in which they're applying those things. And like, especially for athletes looking to improve performance, fasting might not be the answer. Like, yes, there's a lot of health benefits for, you know, I, I, for some clients, I do implement time restricted feeding where, you know, Hey, let's, let's keep it to a 12 hour time feeding window where, you know, 8am you have your first meal, 8pm you finish. So, you know, it keeps, especially for those who are, tr who are trying to reduce caloric caloric intake or have a tend to eat the majority of their calories at night when, you know, they're just snacking a bunch after dinner, you know, that's a great method to keep intake, um, you know, within certain parameters mm -hmm. and not, not get too carried away in the evening hours. But at the same time, like for someone like you or I, if we're focusing on and use myself for instances, because I apply everything that I, you know, everything that I learn and, support like those are all things i'm trying to implement for my own self with my own performance outcomes um but for a lot of athletes there's there's a bigger issue of not eating enough and so when you when you start getting into all this fasting it's like it, fasting is fasting like you're fasting means you're not eating and so if if you have an issue with getting enough calories in your day um then that shouldn't be a focus for you that's not going to be something that will that's going to support your goals right now. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people have to realize that. And I know for me, if I restrict my intake to eight or 10 hours a day, and I know that I, it's hard for me to get the amount of calories I need or protein. Like if I can't, if I can't put 
the amount of protein I need and space those between meals and snacks within an eight to 10 hour time frame, then you bet I'm not going to follow that because first and foremost for performance outcomes, I need the calories. And so mm-hmm. that should take precedence. And for athletes who like train in the morning, it doesn't, it's not going to make sense for them to always go into their morning workout fasted and more so it's not going to make sense for them to go on fasted and then not eat after their workout for another couple hours just so they can keep this time window of you know eight hours of fasting that's now you're not fueling your workout and you're not recovering from your workout and that's an, a, a terrible timing for that so i think depending on your schedule depending on your um your goals Fasting can can be something to implement in a smart manner, but it can also be very detrimental depending on Absolutely. how you're doing it. So I, I think that's that's key. Could not agree with you more. I know that like I'm fine. I had to find this out on my own mm-hmm. uh, as I'm like I was going through an autoimmune protocol and whatnot and trying to clear up like a, a condition that I have. And I was doing a lot of workouts that were fasted. And then I was still not like eating um, afterwards for like a period of time because I was doing mm-hmm. restricted eating, which was essentially to give my um, GI tract time like to heal or whatnot it gives it like mm-hmm. by not forcing anything through it it's allowing it more time to heal and I had some shitty runs and mm-hmm. I was talking with like Ian my coach and he says you got to eat something before especially your tempos especially before your intervals like your high-end stuff like you can't not do that so I started implementing stuff that I knew would be like you know beneficial to me uh, the banana is like nature's like battery so oh, yeah. a good banana just something like light that fits in my stomach well and then as soon as i'm done i'm still hitting like a good like protein shake a vegan protein shake with like bcaa's to assist with that recovery and it i started to feel not like shit <laughs> that mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. The, so i have like athletes that ask me like similar questions I'm like no like you absolutely should eat like and i and i'm not a dietitian i tell like i'm giving you this mm-hmm. from my own personal experience mm-hmm. you need like better nutritional guidance. Like I always refer to you. (laughs) I appreciate that. You have, I know that. So I appreciate that Bill. And so that's like I said, I knew that I was going to open up a can of worms with this. And I feel like this is going to have to be like another episode that you and I just get on here and chat just nutrition because like the most important things like, you know, what works for you doesn't work for everyone. What works for me doesn't work for everyone. But there are like basic principles Right, like you want to use in like a general training regimen in terms of nutrition, so this way you fuel for performance and also recover. Mm-hmm. And if anyone is listening at home and wants to do that, like Corinna is available, you can always. Mess I am. You can, and I'm t- you know taking on clients. Like I'm, I'm that is that is my primary. Like racing is great, but I am not a full time athlete. Mm-hmm. I am not. I'm not a professional athlete. Like that's not that's not my line of work. I am first and foremost a dietitian and I want to help others and I want to take on more clients to help them. Mm-hmm. Not like, yes, it's performance related. I also have many clients who are looking to, you know, um, lose weight, change body composition. I get all that. And I think that a lot of times people don't realize that by focusing on perf- improved performance, they can achieve the, compositional goals that they're looking for inadvertently. And so I really like it when people have a performance goal and I encourage everyone to have something, a bigger goal or more specific goal than just lose X amount of weight or get down to X amount of body fat because having an actual action, my action item, action, actionable goal is much more, it's much more specific first of all. And so having specificity allows you to, mm-hmm. um, allows me as the coach to help you specifically get there a lot quicker, but it also, you know, it's with the scale, it's just, there's just so many variables, right? There's mm-hmm. just so many things that play into it. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to answer questions. You can reach out to me, um, you know, via email, my website or Instagram, like those are all great places, but just know that I'm always happy, like, I don't want people to feel like they can't reach out to me or that they're, they're too shy to like, you know, send me a message. Cause I love people. I love helping others, especially when it comes to nutrition. And you are an amazing person and you are so giving up your time yeah. and uh, definitely just enjoy how like nice you are and how personable. And I can tell you Thank specifically, you. Uh, I've seen the work that she has done before in athletes that I've coached and the work that she does is absolutely phenomenal both in terms of like your performance and aesthetics. 
So highly recommend Thanks, anyone work with Serena. You're very welcome. Uh, and <laughs> like reach out to her directly. If you are a member of Yancey Camp or if you've thought about Yancey Camp, you can also like get involved with Corinna there. Um, mm -hmm. Highly recommend her services. And like I said, Corinna, we're going to like schedule another like Zoom chat in like the next like week or two where we're just going to talk nutrition. Like we're going to spend yeah, I would love that. Talking nutrition because I know it's something that you're clearly very passionate about. Yes. And something I'm passionate about too, because if you don't eat properly, you are going to suck on the race course. And even it's, if your goal isn't racing, like you still need to fuel your body appropriately. Yeah, you do, exactly. And I think that's key. And like you said, actually, with the Yancey Camp stuff, so just to clarify, people, you don't have to be a Yancey Camp like member to hop on the Yancey Camp Nutrition train and be coached by me through there. Or again, like I do have personal clients, so you can reach out to me whichever way we can get you on whichever program makes more sense to you. But um, you can you can just come on to Yancey Camp for the nutrition component. It doesn't have to be the training. So lots of, I feel like we have, there's depending on what your needs are, it can direct you in the area that's going to be most helpful. But yeah, there's just, there's a lot of things that, um, a lot of there's just a lot of information out there and a there lot is. of it is misinformation a lot of it and combing through it as someone who's not you know if you're not someone with a much of a nutrition background or even if you do it is so easy to be swayed by media and people who think they know what they're talking about or the, the girl on instagram that has a bunch of abs and so she's talking about like as if she is the expert and it's all she does is have you know great abs so you know you have to kind of be able to, it, it's a hard thing to sift through all the misinformation and figure out what's applicable to you and what's mm -hmm. going to be best for you. Um, and so, you know, as a dietitian, we, we as dietitians really focus on science-based evidence-based nutrition practices. And I think that's, yes. that's the most important because everyone's going to have what, you know, the anecdotal evidence that's worked for them or their aunt Susie or their best friend, Jill. It's like, there's so many different anecdotal things out there to speak from that you know we really just need to be pushing the evidence-based information and then letting the individual decide you know what which of those are going to apply and for what reasons um but it's really just important to have the facts so i also i was going to ask add i write a blog post every week for the yancey camp nutrition blog it's like you don't have to be a member to access that blog um if you go to the yancey camp page you can there's a pop-up and you can just put your email in there and you'll just you won't get overwhelmed by any other emails it'll just be the anti-camp nutrition stuff and like i said we do a newsletter one once a week or once a month and a blog post that's nutrition and performance related once a week so i highly recommend going through that and reading some of the articles that i've taken lots of time to write and educate everyone on so read them read them and also if you are looking for nutrition advice on instagram from someone who doesn't have letters after their name <laughs> you've done something wrong uh and by the way if you are looking for advice from someone who does have letters after their name make sure the letters after their name apply to what they're talking about <laughs> like those are just like disclaimers on the OCLU serious podcast like i have someone who's made a pretty good career on instagram out of making fun of people on instagram by all means, please look yeah. for those letters. Yes. No, I appreciate it. And it's not, you know, this is not a, this is not to, it's, I am, I am not anti like health coach, nutrition coach, any of that. I just think it's important to be speaking from a place of um, research-based information mm -hmm. and not, um, you know, not what just works for for you, you personally. And so I, I just think that there's, there's a lot of that out there. So not to say that you need to have the letters by your name, but I would definitely just be inquisitive about who you're getting your information from. And don't just, just because it's just said, um, affirmatively, does it mean that it's, it's, uh, it's fact or it's something that you should follow. So well, that's proceed because you're with nice caution. Person, you, you be a nice person and you take that diplomatic approach. I'll be the <laughs> And say, if you don't have the letters after your name that are associated with what you're talking about, you need to shut the fuck up. So that is me saying my two cents on it. But, Serena, it has been an absolute honor and a blessing to have you on and to Aww. chat with you. And we will be doing it again. And, like I said, yes. when you talk in at least like 
what, a month and a half. So we will go out and have some fun. Uh, we will. And we will just like catch up again. And But we'll be on a Zoom chat in the next like week or two to talk just nutrition. Uh, yes, I would love that. Uh, it's going to be, it's always a great time with you, girl. Thank you. Well, it was such a, such a ball. I could, we could chat for hours. I know yeah, in the morning, <laughs> but we've got to be mindful of our listeners. So I know there's a shorter attention span for these things. So I, but I appreciate you having me on and thanks for everyone that's tuning in and reach out if you guys have any questions and yeah, hopefully we can do a, just a nutrition based one for our it. listeners later. We're going to schedule it. Um, everyone done. follow Corinna. Uh, Yancey Camp, all the necessary links that you want. If you want to learn more, if you want to reach out to Corinna to learn more about like nutritional guidance on how you can eat to perform or just to generally like, you know, eat better and like for your life, for lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's going to be in the show notes. Um, Corinna, once again, thank you so much. And I uh, hope you have a great, well, this is going to air on Friday. So I hope you have a great Woo. weekend. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care, Bill. Take easy, girl. So it was great chatting with Corinna Coffin, and I'd like to say who the next guest is, but I don't really know right now, but I'm going to line someone up and chat with them this weekend and pump out another great episode for everyone on Tuesday. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening. Uh, if you have a chance, uh, give me a five-star review on iTunes. If not, no big deal, but uh, just enjoy making this podcast for you guys so you can get caught up on what all the amazing athletes in our sport are doing, and hope you all have a great weekend. OC Are You Serious is brought to you by nobody, no one, because we're not going to be a corporate sellout. This is an unsponsored podcast for you guys, the true fans of OCR.